Oh, you're muted. I'm, oh, you better believe I'm putting this on there. That's a win for me. You are really like stretching for your wins here. I'm fishing, here. okay? That, I'm that's fishing. not that is not even close to mid episode. We'll we'll see. <laughs> All right, our our Patreon will have to see if that one counts. Welcome to the Retic Lounge, everyone. Uh, I'm Nathan Katz. Uh, you're here with Lucas Begnara as well. Uh, tonight we have a guest on that's going to be talking Burmese pythons and kind of comparing them to Retics. I mean. This is a guest that's going to be able to contrast the two very well. Uh, works with both. And yeah, I'm excited to get into it. But it's someone that I've been following for a long time. Uh, Lucas, you too? Yeah, so I've been following him since I even had an Instagram. Um, and I've been a, a very big um, kind of like behind the scenes fans. You know, I wasn't big on the berms up, but I saw what they were doing with retakes. I maybe had mm -hmm. like back in the day, maybe a conversation or two with him. Um but always appreciated what they did from afar. And so um, literally hadn't talked to him like almost ever. And I reached out to him to do our species spotlight on Burmese pythons and Matt with, um, oh man, drawing peach state, peach state yeah, peach state pythons. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, he, he was kind of literally responded within an hour. And, and I asked him if you want to do an episode and literally like that second was like, absolutely. Um, so we literally, like, from the day of recording, like, only four days ago, asked if he would do this. He jumped on and said yes. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to have him on. But yeah, but yeah. I, I think, I mean, I've been following him for a while. And I think even during my first breeding season, I reached out a couple times. And yeah, Matt was always really generous with his time. So really cool to have him on tonight. I was scratching my shoulder and it did the thumbs up. I need to find a way. Our, to get our audio this. listeners need to see these little screen reactions that you've they been do. messing they around. Do. All um, right. Well, let's let's uh, just shout out our pa Patreon real quick. We have a really yeah. active Discord. We have a great community over there. We do Zoom meetings. We have extra content for you guys. So go over to our Patreon, become a member today, and join our Discord. One uh, thing we haven't done in a while is we need to start having the people we have on as the guest for our Patreon Zoom meetings. We need to I, do that. I yeah. keep forgetting that we need to do that. So we need to get uh, probably Chris Steven. McVicker on or Steven or yeah. even, I mean, we can go way back, but but yeah. Um, anyways. We have a, yeah, we have a laundry list of people we need to run through on that. Yeah, let's go ahead and bring Matt on here. Matt, what's going on, man? Not too much, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah. And, uh, thank you for uh, the kind words there, man. That's nice to hear. Yeah. No, I mean, your, your, your content, I mean, even if no one's gotten the chance to talk to you, just the, I mean, your animals speak for themselves. I feel like. I appreciate that. Well, you've been doing it a long time in those early morning uh, routines. I was going through some back surgery and stuff at the time I was That's going right. through that first breeding. So just seeing, seeing you work with the animals, you know, take your health really seriously. That was a big motivator for me. So that's cool. I do remember that uh, one of the first times we talked, you had, you had back surgery and there was a clutch that needed to be pulled. Yep. I remember yep. that, man. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was only a, like a week or two after I, I had my fusion done. I, I pulled it. She was good. Nice. <laughs> that, that sounds I knew like you a could. nightmare. <laughs> sounds like a nightmare. Um, was she nice? Yeah, she was great. 
Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, couldn't it's have always, asked for a better experience. It's always the ones that I'm the most worried about end up being the easiest. Easiest. <laughs> I know, um, she's the sweetest year round. I, I haven't ever had a problem with her. It's weird. I just, I get like nervous with like the F1 stuff. And every single time, like I pulled the clutch from the Solaire and then the Philippine, I had to wait two days because I was out of town. Not a single one of them like even struck, budged, um, yeah, it's always the ones that I, I just need to like constantly be stressed before I pull eggs and it'll go well. Um, good strategy. Yeah. But Matt, love yes. the support for US Arc and the shirt that you got on right there. Absolutely. Got a rep. Yeah. One of the is that one of the old school shirts? I feel like that that one's been around for uh, a minute. Yeah, yeah. This is uh I don't know if we'd go far say retro, but yeah, it's a few years old. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, kind of do the cliche introduction, who you are, all that good stuff. Uh, give our listeners a little snapshot on, you know, when you got into snakes, what you kept growing up, all that good stuff. Whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years, the first place you want to visit is Stewart Design. More and more breeders keep showing up at shows on Morph Market and are all over social media. Sometimes it may feel possible to get anyone's attention. Stewart Designs helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brands for US Arc, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with retics through first working with Garrett Hartle. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level, you're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows, you don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd, and you want to make your own way doing what you love. And also, you have big ideas and know your business is special, but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake and have a conversation. To learn more or get started, visit stuartdesignbrands.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brands own markets. Stuart Design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus Cubed Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best-looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus Cubed Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house our animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animal's comfort and well-being. Visit focuscubedhabitats.com for your animal's caging needs. Again, visit focuscubedhabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures. We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retic Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit VivTechProducts.com and use the code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Again, visit VivTechProducts.com and use our affiliate code RETICLOUNGE23 today for 15% off. Looking for the perfect accessories for your hatchlings or juvenile retics? 
Look no further than Heli Guy Serpents. Our sponsor, Chris Sexton, is coming in hot with an amazing 3D printer, creating top-notch perches and other caging accessories for your beloved pets. Enrich your Retix environment with their high-quality products. Use our promo code TRL10 for a 10% discount on your purchase. Visit them today at heliguyserpents.com and start giving your pets the best. Heli Guy Serpents, the premier source for 3D printed caging accessories. Again, that's www.heliguyserpents.com and use our promo code TRL10 for 10% off all of your 3D printed accessories today. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm, I'm like you said, Matt Bowers, uh, I have PSA Pythons. Um, been doing this probably like most people you have on here uh, a lot of my life. Uh, we start at the beginning. So I would say, yeah, I, I guess it started when I was a kid, you know, you like dinosaurs and that kind of, as you evolved and matured to a uh, very mature five-year-old, you start to like uh, the reptiles. But I think like the, the, the big, like, I don't know, it's kind of hard to put a, a finger on why we like reptiles. Um, but I lived in Alaska from five years old to nine years old. There's no reptiles. <laughs> and so I liked dinosaurs and that kind of grew to like any type of animal, which had this fascination, um, interest in reptiles. And then we moved from Alaska to Georgia and we moved into this apartment complex and it was on a golf course and there's a Creek that ran through it and just kind of getting out, exploring a little bit. I saw a frog jump in the Creek. And it like blew my mind because there's no reptiles in Alaska. Um, and then I saw that frog. So I looked for it and then I saw a turtle and I just absolutely lost my mind. And I realized that you could just turn over rocks and logs and catch these things. And it just kind of got in my blood to go find them, uh, to play with them, to learn about them. And I just totally geeked out on it. And then like we had the apartment complex and the golf course. And on the other side was a shopping center that had a pet store in it. And they had a lot of exotics the you know the the lizards the snakes of all kinds so i could walk over there and just hang out in there for hours and then um just really i i, I don't know I, I mean as as much as you guys like them it's it's hard to say what we like about them but it just mm -hmm. i never grew out of it now as a 41 year old man uh still have them but it just all throughout like elementary school i would um in fourth i would check out all any book we had on reptiles and just and just study it. And it's weird because I'm not like a, I don't want to say I'm not a, I'm not a very studious guy. I, I don't want to say I'm not a smart guy, but I was able to in fourth grade within like the first three months uh, of being in that school, they had the North American field guide Audubon, uh, North American guide to reptiles. And I memorized every snake and every lizard in there That's just awesome. from the picture. I knew where it lived, what habitat. And like I said, I, it wasn't like I was proactively studying. I just like, what's that? And you know, you flip to the back and, oh, it lives here. And you just learn about it. Anyway, I can still visualize that uh, the Northern pine snake in that book um, with the high whites is like a New Jersey pine yeah. snake. Anyways, yeah, just never, never <laughs> grew out of it. That's bringing me back to like my zoo books days. Seriously. So I, right. I like that. Oh, I had zoo books for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just, I don't know why I kept being this draw to reptiles. Um, and then, so I lived in um, a town in Georgia. It's called Peachtree City. And for some reason that it's centered around golf courses. So there's golf cart paths throughout the town. Like you, people drive golf carts to the grocery store. Kids drive golf carts to school. It's just everybody gets around on golf carts. So 
and like that fifth, sixth grade is when I started venturing out on the bike. And that's when I got my first exposure to road cruising, but we were on the cart pads and you'd just be driving and, 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 uh, riding your bike. And then there'd be a rat snake laying across the road. So you dump the bike, go chase it down, get it and take it home. And, uh, luckily my parents were okay with it. Um, I, I want to say supportive, but they weren't like, go get you another mat. But if I did bring one home, they would be like, all right, well, let's get it a cage. And then if I brought another one home, they'd be like, okay, you got to let one go if you're going to keep this one. So they let me always kind of have some. And, um, you know, there was a time in fifth grade, I believe it was, I'd caught a garter snake and brought it home. And, um, a couple of days later, walking by the cage, there's like 20 baby garter snakes just crawling around. That's so I caught amazing. a gravid garter. Oh, did we lose him? Um, and then, um, eventually, I was so excited to hear about the baby garter snakes. Me too, man. <laughs> Get into that. Um, hey, hey, Matt. Yeah. Real quick, hands up. Okay. I, I want to, you, you kind of dropped reception right after you said you caught a gravid garter snake. Oh, can, okay. Get, so what did you say right after that? Or can I even interject right there and be like, what the hell? How right. was that? What did you okay. do? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. So uh, we just kind of played with them and let them go in the backyard. Um, awesome. So that was really cool. And like, yeah. So what I said, that's just like little experiences like that. I'd caught a king snake and brought it home. And like a couple months later, it laid eggs. So I apparently <laughs> caught a gravid king snake. So just little things like that kind of kept me hooked and just never outgrew it. And, um, you've always had a knack for, for being able to, to breed these animals, huh? Oh yeah. Even, uh, <laughs> yeah. Or like, uh, the accidentally breeding just find, on my just find the good ones. You're right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Shorten the whole breeding process down and get you a gravid out in the wild. Right. But, uh, but don't keep, uh, natives in Georgia. I have to put yeah. that disclaimer out there in the nineties. Yeah. We did, did what we wanted, but not now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, so, uh, same in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't do that. And so, uh, <laughs> But anyways, yeah, we just, uh, and, and that's just kind of how it started. And, you know, it kind of snowballs from that. You know, you just catch one. Then all of a sudden you have these babies. And, um, I don't, you know, and again, I still can't put my finger on why, but I just absolutely love it and just never grew out of it. And then we're going to get into the Burmese python stuff. But that's really what started and ramped up the whole breeding process. Because when I got into the berms, you couldn't ship them. The Lacey Act was in effect. So you're limited to what's in Georgia. And I just kind of started going on a mission and trying to um, get enough to where I could kind of revive the Burmese pythons in Georgia. And then uh, by the time I'd done that a couple of years, they opened up the Lacey Act and it was game busters from there. Yeah. 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 I bet that was a good feeling. I wasn't, I wasn't breeding or doing anything during that time. And I, I bet once they kind of lifted uh, the interstate commerce, I bet that felt great. Yeah, it was, it was huge. And uh, it's, it's weird because I want to say I knew they would, but I have no reason to think they would open it back up. There was a so, big feeling at that time, though, that it, it would because I had yeah. just bought my first uh, Super Door right before. And oh, then no it kidding. opened up. Yeah. That long ago. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, just... I think so. Or maybe it was the second Lacey Van. Yeah. Well, it, regardless, like there was just something that just made me feel like they're going to open this up. We're going to be able to do this. But, you know, at the time you had to be pretty strategic in what you're doing. Cause you have to have this mindset of like, okay, whatever you produce, you have to be able to sell in Georgia. So, you know, you got to make sure it's good stuff. You got to make sure it's varied stuff, right? You can't have too many duplicates um, because it's right. going to be harder to move. And then there's only so much you could produce in a state. And at that time, 
Uh, Georgia didn't have a lot. What you would see at that time is uh, different states would be either like depleted or saturated. And there's nothing you could do about it. So at the time, I would sell um, my hypos like 750, like that. But there might be, I remember in Maryland, this guy was breeding really well and he had done it for a while and he, he was selling it for 250, 300. It's the same snake, but you just couldn't get them in Georgia. So people wanted them. So it's neat to see that kind of like nuance of depends on what state you're at. Right. Um, but then, but then it just like, they opened it up and that's when, uh, things got real fun. Cause then you could, you weren't just limited to kind of what you did. You were able to grab lines from other people and, and do yeah. some really fun stuff. Yeah. Crazy times, man. And, and I, I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to go through that transition, but at the same time, it's really cool to see. And I mean, even just talking about the difference in markets between like, I, I, could, right. when, when there are threats going around during the, um, uh, what was it? Competes Act. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago when that happened, or uh, I, I remember uh, I'm a locality enthusiast, uh, enthusiast with retakes. And so I, I started a, a, a Texas locality or Texas retake locality page on Facebook, not to like get the group popping and going, but I literally just wanted everybody who had retakes on there. I wanted to just get an account. What, I, yeah, I just, I wanted uh-huh. to get an account of what localities we have in this state. Uh, that was what was the most important to me. Um, so yeah, pretty I could, smart actually. I, I could imagine if if yeah, because that was at the time where I was thinking to myself like I'm going to start making power moves and start you know if if we're missing a bunch of available localities like and no one's going to jump on this like I might have to. You're like wow, that's my, pretty gra- smart. my garage is starting to look good. Is that around the time you moved down there? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was a few months after. Cause that's what, so in that time there was, uh, yes, I believe that's, uh, yep. So that's, uh, that's one of them. And, um, it's nuts. Like I I want that. It it doesn't look real. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have any desire to breed Burmese pythons, but I want that as a pet. Right. And I get that a lot. Like I just want that as an animal. Even this normal, I I was looking at this just a second ago when you were saying that. Normal berms Mm -hmm. are some of the best looking snakes out there. Um, you know what, before we get into, that whole thing. Do you have any Florida pythons? Uh, from my understanding, that would be uh, illegal. So okay, fair, <laughs> fair. Just from my understanding. Okay, I, I do know that you. you I didn't. I you didn't herp, know that. That was a little ignorant a little there, but have you herped around Florida in hopes of finding a berm? Uh, so I've been in Florida uh, at times looking for snakes, and I have, um, with my eyes, seen them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're there. Uh, I don't okay. think. There as so I I would say probably not a reach to say I've spent a hundred hours herping in the um, Everglades area. Awesome. Um, not so much in the park side, but kind of that other side. Um, and I've seen uh, one, two, seen four. Okay. Awesome. In a hundred hours. I oh so, wow. I, I so not a lot. Not like yeah. what they're trying to make it look like oh no um, and not, i've been in spots where they are street in the in the right you know yeah. in the cul-de-sac or whatever mm-hmm. no and i mean i i think and i don't even know how true this is someone said that they found one as north as naples which if you're not familiar with florida naples is on the other no it's i guess on the same mm-hmm. coastline but but it's about two hours north of the everglades and no, I'd say um, it's parallel. It's just the other side of the. It's state. on the. It's on the other side. Okay, so it is yeah. on the on the west coast. Everglades' okay. elbow. What, yeah, what's maybe. What's funny is I'm I'm from Florida and I'm over here, 
right. not even because I've uh, spent a lot of time in Naples, so that's why I'm, yeah, I know. Um, but I I grew up camping in the Everglades. I was in Boy Scouts, and I was no I lived, kidding. I lived in Miami for seven years, and I was the weird one who, whenever we would see a gator, I wanted to get closer. Right, right? that's me. <laughs> yeah, me exactly. <laughs> um, okay, let's get back to kind of leopard. Um, what is leopard? Why is it legit? And, um, you know, is, is leopard essentially, is it a het green? Right. It's lots of pack there. Uh, simple question with, uh, really, um, <laughs> a simple question with vast a... background. Um, <laughs> so ultimately, okay. So when I started getting the berms, um, so at the time there was essentially four mutations, right? So you have albino granite. Uh, patternless green, uh, which is the same, and then um, labyrinth. And that was really it. I think there were some caramels around at the time, but you didn't have a lot of morphs. And so with Burmese pythons, when you take two genes, two visual recessives – oh, and there's hypo. Sorry, hypo. That's a big one, hypo. And hypo is co-dominant. Um, the rest are recessive. So when you take these two genes together – Whoa, whoa, whoa. They, hold up. Hypo is – uh, an incomplete dominant or co-dominant? Yes. Okay, yep. So cool. it makes, if, you, if you've heard of the ivory, it yes. makes an ivory. Um, cool. Yep. So um, when you take a, a granite, if you can visualize what a granite is, then you take an albino, it looks exactly what you can visualize, right? So like if you think of where we take guys, um, like Motley Tiger, like Motley looks this way, Tiger looks like this. You put them together, it looks like something different, right? All of a sudden there's green and silver in there. Like I don't know where those colors came from, right? So you don't have that in the berms. You don't have this like connection of uh, genetics that makes this new looking thing like or take like a cow in retics, right? Like where did that come from between the phantom and the uh, hit orange ghost stripe, right? So right. I, I was like, I don't know. I just, and then I got drawn to the um, different looking normals. So uh, getting to the point, as you're just browsing around the internet and looking around, there was this one snake that popped up that is just reduced pattern very circular pattern just real clean and it brings out the colors because it's it's bringing out those side patterns anyways um it just had this connotation next to it and basically said leopard and so i just fell in love with that look of the snake and just loved leopard and if it's got a name it's got to be something and you know fast forward i don't know a year or so a like legit full-blown leopard pops up available and um i didn't get it at the time but i knew the guy who had it and he sold it to somebody else who i ended up knowing um and first he had a clutch with it and then he got rid of it so i became friends with the other guy and he's actually still a good friend now and i was like hey man you know if you ever want to get rid of that snake let me know and he's like dude i've watched the snake for 10 years and come to find out that snake was purchased at the Daytona show in the late nineties. Uh, so this thing's been around a minute. And, uh, anyways, it's just like textbooks, circular patterns. Um, and a couple of things happened and, and I ended up having an opportunity to get it. And I just knew kind of like, I just knew deep down that it was something right. And, uh, it matched that leopard pattern. So what people say that leopard is, is they say it's just het green. And so <laughs> sorry, sorry if I triggered you there. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's uh, no, green. it's dead on. Yeah, right. 
And, and so it's, it's weird because that's fine if that's what it is, but when it's, it's not just tech green, cause it looks incredible. And right. I've produced clutches from an albino green female. So that means every baby's a hundred percent head green and they don't look like that. So it, it, it's gotta be something else. And I knew deep down, like, this is something we got to find out what this is and I can produce this, I can reproduce this. And, and really what I wanted to do is just make things that look different than what we're seeing. Like how many albino granites and albino greens and green granites can be out there when you're not really getting any more depth to these animals, you know, you're just right. reproducing these, these simple combos. So we got to like, start digging in and see what else can be there. You start to breed for phenotypic expression, right? Exactly. Like, like, exactly. And that, that see, mm -hmm. it's crazy that, that it took the berm. It, it took Burmese pythons this long to get to. It's taken retake this long to get yeah. to. But the thing is most of the people that I saw on comments that are saying like, Oh, leopard is just het green are the people yes. who are in the ball Python industry who call anything, everything. Right. That they, There's that like they five different call. fires. It, right. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's the Dinker project. Right. That's exactly. Right. Yep. It, don't, don't get me wrong. I, you know, for those of you that breed ball pythons, like much respect, I, I actually like what they're doing yeah. by naming the subtle differences different if it's replicable through selective breeding, right? Like yes. that's smart, mm -hmm. um, right? Like I keep telling like uh, uh, Shane Costello in the in the retic world, I said, stop calling your shit sunfires and call them Shane fires. Like right. stop, like exactly. call, call yep. them something different because they mm -hmm. look completely different. They look different. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyways, sorry, that was my rant yeah. of the episode. Go for no, it. No, that, that was great, and uh, I welcome those rants because that was uh, a perfect example of kind of how this became something is – so it was – it's it went – so as I started working with it and, hey, look at this leopard, and I'm going to breed leopards. You hear this. It's just that green, and there wasn't a ton of pushback until I produced the first clutch, and there were leopards in it, and so then I started calling them leopards, and – the people who pushed back the most were what I would call, you know, old school people who had been breeding a while. And that was the weirdest thing to me because what if this is in fact a thing, I've just depthened what we can do with these animals that you're trying to breed. So it's weird. It's like they only wanted to be in this like we only have five genes and that's it. We're not doing anything else. It was weird because it helps every berm breeder out if we kind of discover another little notch we can work with, but it's so weird. But all, all the main people who are pushing back aren't around anymore. So I don't, you know, I don't know the correlation there. I, I'm, I'm waiting know, for that day in retail. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they would, but what they would do is, uh, it's just interesting. So this is kind of how leopard became kind of bigger for me is, they hated it or were bothered by it so much. I don't use the, mean to use negativity, but they were bothered by it so much. They would at times, uh, the word I, I want to use is maybe antagonize or whatever, but they might make a post and be like, hey, Matt, look at this leopard. And they're being really sarcastic. And they would post right. a very minutely reduced pattern green or het green. And I'd be like, oh, you know, beautiful snake. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a leopard here's more of what a leopard likes. And I drop a pick, drop a pick, drop a pick, drop a pick. And then all of a sudden my inbox would be like, Hey, you got any more of those? Hey, right. how much are those? Can you sell? So like all these people who were trying to, you know, make me look dumb were just advertising for me. Cause you could now see the Absolutely. difference in what it does in those comments. So, um, I'm like taking more, notes right now, man. That is beautiful. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was, uh, every time, man. Um, but you know, getting back to what leopard is, um, 
so it reduces the pattern. Um, and, it, and objectively, it was, it is, was, is, we can get into it as I, I progress through explaining it um, and touching on this last clutch. <laughs> uh, it does appear to be associated with green. And so you're just, as you, what's really fun about this, and this is what can really keep you engaged, what really kind of sucks about the legislation, but like it takes so long to figure out what's going on that it's so much fun. And then like each time you do a pairing, you learn a little more and then you, you get somewhere and then it slugs out and it's just like devastating, but then you push a little harder and then you get it. And so it's just like, all these highs and lows that are just so much fun. Sounds like breeding snakes, right? Like that you have to have that really crappy sucky blow because then when you do hit it, it's that much better. But um, anyways, getting back to it. Uh, so it did appear to be reducing the pattern. Uh, there was some type of color association with it where it seemed to brighten the colors. Um, and it's just something I wanted to go further. And so, I, I had rounded up the leopard um, and I had rounded up that like neon hypo and paired them and leopard stuff popped out. Um, and then these crazy colored hypos popped out, but not, it wasn't like 50, 50. Um, and then just other odd stuff came out of that clutch that I couldn't really put my finger on. There was some really, really, really dark, like melanistic looking animals in there. There were huh. some busy patterns. It was just like, things were weird and are, so are there, weird. Are, are there any of those dark ones on your Instagram? Uh, you'd have to go back to 2017, but there oh, are. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll try. So Lucas, Nathan, switch to the yeah, other screen, and then I'll switch to the other screen so we don't yeah, all get a headache. Go back. Um, <laughs> I'll, but I'll start going. So, so that <laughs> the way that came out in that clutch, you just couldn't put your finger on what it was, and so all you're still thinking it is is this circular pattern, like that hypo you showed earlier. She is that, that, that circular hypo, pattern, right? My, my favorite thing. Uh, that I've seen and and you could tell me if I'm wrong or not. Um, a lot of the leopard patterning that I see, what it, what I see a lot of is it brings out a lot of blushing, or is yes. that the hypo side of things? Uh, so that would be the leopard. So if you get just a I standard, love it. so it's on both ends, right? So right. the normal leopard, you'll see a lot of the blushing, and the other thing it does, which you don't, I don't see a lot of berms doing. When I have this leopard, and when I have those uh, those hypos that I'm working with, you get the firing up and firing down, like you get in the retics. No, like a retic can look totally different. Oh, oh yeah. Fired up a fire. Yeah, it's it's insane. You can have a so normal get... retic on fire that looks completely anery. And then when it's right. normal, it looks like a brown snake. And unless you've seen it, you don't understand that big, the significance of that swing right. um, in the fired up, fired down, which you don't, I don't see in any other animal uh, that I have, but those leopards have that. And not to that degree, but like that hypo that you showed, like she can be like, have that blue bright silver and then other times she can be darker and then the yellows pop out so that is something that that kind of came with it and so touching on that what is leopard is it just the circular pattern or is there more to it and uh one of the guys who really hated leopard um he he had worked with it allegedly like in i don't know 1964 or whatever he was old school and it's probably like early 90s but um He's the one that really set the standard of like, it's just tech green because allegedly he worked with it and nothing came of it. So a lot of the people who said it's just Het leopard have never worked with it or tried. They had just heard. So one of the things I used to say is like, if everybody's copying off the same paper, it doesn't mean that paper's right. You know, it could be the right. wrong answer and everybody has it. Unless you guys are working with it, unless you can say, Hey, I, you know, here's the results of my breeding. Um, I don't know that I can buy into it. I got to keep trying this. So um, anyways, his, his idea 
was, okay, so it's not the green portion. It's the main lineage of that animal. So let's call it a, a Bowers, the Bowers line, the Bowers lineage. That allows hets to push through. Um, so it may not necessarily be the het green side, but it's just that animal's bloodline in general, okay. uh, which was a neat concept. Because if you look at that first clutch, they were all over the place, just extreme looking animals. <laughs> so that, so again, you're still trying to figure out what it is, but that circular pattern we have recreated and there was green. So there's definitely something to do with green. Um, so then the next year that was 17, I paired again in 18 riding this high, crushing it. Um, there's this weird weather pattern that came through that year. We had two feet of snow, which I've lived in Georgia uh, 15 years. If you add up every year of snow, it doesn't add up to two feet. What, what was uh, this, like 2020? This was 2018. 2018. 2018. Mm -hmm. And then, then it got up to like 70, and then it dropped into single digits, and then it got up to 70 again. It was crazy. Well, anyways – I had these sick pairings. I was throwing labyrinth to the leopard. I was doing all this crazy stuff. I got 80 slugs that year. I produced no animals. And it was like, That's it hurt. It hurt. And it, it, like, it's frustration. It's, did I, I let myself down? It's, but I really wanted, I was like, please tell me I made a mistake, please. Because then I can correct it, right? If it's just random, that's that's tough to swallow. If I effed up, great. Well, I'll fix that and do better. Right. Um, that's the way our, so, our, our human psyche kind of works. It's it's if we have a reason, we feel like control, right? That's like what right? we always control right. equals safety and our ability to kind of, you know, be able to manipulate our environment is if we're in control. So that like <laughs> if I'm wrong, if I did something wrong, I can fix it, right? But but if it was just a shitty year, then that really sucks. It's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Can I um. Just let that sink in. That was deep. I'm a that's therapist. Like, that's going to help me through life there, man. I'm, I'm, nice. I'm, a, ther I'm a therapist. <laughs> that was he, he gives very three profound. bits of therapy here and there throughout every our episode. Every, so. every once in a while, I charge. Oh, but... man. That, <laughs> if that's, you're ever that's hurting, why... maybe you'll hear something in Lucas's words. Oh, that was uh, impressive. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and that was – but also, you know, you, you kind of talk yourself into like, okay, we're going to use this. And I'm going to be talking – and it's crazy because at the time I was like, one of the ways I got through it, like trying to be positive was like, there's going to be a time later down the road where I speak of 2018 as the year that made me. And here I am on a podcast talking about it, but that's just an example of like how, if you're working a project, it can be delayed. Right. Um, it wasn't just one animal. It was all of them. And then I talked to people. I have a guy, a buddy who breeds, he's like 45 minutes away and all of his large constrictors slugged out that year all the way over. I talked to people all the way over to Charleston and, uh, they did large constrictors and monitors and they're slugged out too, even in the lizards. And he, they, he had been doing it a while ago in Charleston. He's like, every now and then a front will come through that just wipes out the breeding season. So I don't know if there's any truth to that, but it made me feel, I can't tell if it made me feel better. I'd rather it be a mistake, but at least I'm in good right. company. But <laughs> then you go to 19 and I kind of gave the girls a year off because I'd bred them two years in a row. And um, with the slug out as always seems to be hard on them. So um, going to 2020, um, I now have a male from that leopard clutch um, to that had grown up and he's ready. Um, bred him to uh, just this crazy looking normal female that had alleged heads, right? And um, I, I got 12 eggs and he is het green. She's het green. So out of 12, Punnett Square guys, how many greens should I get on a recessive? 
Yeah, you should. Four? 25, right? Yep. Yeah, 25. Yep. Exactly. So 29. four. So that means I should probably have four greens, four leopards, four hey. other line green, and none, right? Matt, real Do quick. Have? I'm going to pull up an animal that's dark. If it, if you can let us know if it's the one that Let's you're see. referring to in the conversation. Uh, that's actually a really light one. It was dark. Oh, so see how the okay. sides of that We're one off. are. So it, the, the, oh, here, what I'll it does is a good example. So the, the saddles are real saturated. Yeah. And then the sides are real looks like a light. Red boa pattern. It's right. Yeah, like it, it so just blushes out. That's part of like the weirdness that came out of that clutch. Yeah, um, that's, that's the leopard you're talking about. So that one is, uh, yeah. So that one is, I would, that's on the line of like what you might call leopard. But as I progress through this really long explanation, at the end you'll tie in of what that is actually a leopard. But uh, I have to give the suspense and the whole storyline. Um, okay, I love it. But <laughs> so of that twelve clutch, so I when I don't I don't um, post my clutches until they hatch. Um, so is that, never, a, super, like, is that a superstition thing? Is that uh, a... it's just flying to the radar. You never know what I'm doing. Gotcha. Um, okay. And then so I always let them like a couple come out. So then I know like kind of how to like hype it up or whatever. But, um, so nobody knew of this berm clutch. I hadn't had one since 17 and it's the first year I have the, the second generation, uh, leopard going to a non-related and I get nine greens out of 12. I hit like, I crush these yeah, odds that odds I never wanted to crush. Right. It's, I never wanted that. I never wanted a green at all. And I get all these greens. So I can't even talk about it because all the people who don't believe in leopard are gonna be like, see, you didn't get a leopard, but my leopard's covered up by visual green. Right. Because so it became visual. See it. <laughs> right. So like, I didn't really say much about that clutch. I kind of slid some out. It's like, Hey, everything available, just kind of like move them out. Um, right. hung on to a couple visual greens that looked pretty neat. Um, anyway, so, so now, you know, I start this thing in 16, we're at 2020. I still don't have, I have one clutch to show for it, but nobody's believing in it, but me, which is fine. Cause I'm doing it for me. But, um, the, so then the next year, the, the hypo leopard that you showed a picture of in the tub, she's ready. And then I use that same mail. So I'm going leopard to leopard. Let's do it. And uh, she laid 15 eggs and absolutely replicated what she looked like coming out of the egg. Like Perfect. I reproduced the color, the pattern, and there was a bunch of them in there. Um, well, there's only 15, but there was a bunch percentage wise. Um, and so that I, was I was going like, to say, do you know how many greens you hit? Uh, so in that one, I think it was only like three greens. Perfect. See that, that's mm -hmm. how like the, the breeding gods kind of work in your favor, right? Like only three in that case. So that's less than what you were expecting from there. Whereas right? the other clutch pumped out way more. The odds like over time equal right. out, right? Yeah, yeah. I wonder, but it's, yep. you never, know. I think you're right. It's like, if you flip a coin and you get like heads 10 times in a row, the next flip, it's still 50, 50, right, but exactly. if you do it a hundred times, it's going to even out, but Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so, again, going back to what is leopard. Again, I'm working with that real light hypo. Um, so that was in there, and we're starting to get a little rhythm here of what we could predict to see. Um, so that is – that's a green from the first clutch. I remember when um, I went to Snakes on Sunset and I got my first Burmese python, I remember my parents would take me every weekend. I caught the berm bug, and they, they did draw the line in the sand, and they told me no, but I wanted a green. <laughs> I wanted a green really cool, bad. Man. And back and back then, this was. I was going to say how much was were they going for back then? Yeah, this was two thousand four. No, not even. I think it was two hundred fifty bucks. No kidding. Yeah, they're not that old. Well, all of them, like the first, you know, two thousand like ninety. Yeah, two thousand four, two thousand three is roughly around that time, and 
they were yeah 250 bucks and i bought my i i, I think my normal berm was 95 wow dang that's crazy yeah. well that's probably when they back had uh like the warehouses of them just farm breeding them right oh, probably yeah. but um yeah, so that's that's one of those one of the weird hypos that came out. So the the next year I repeated the pairing, got the same results. That was uh twenty two, and then so then this random you know um, retained sperm clutch this year, um kind of popped out. So going into to leopard, there was a time. So going back to the guy who said he thinks it's like a lineage thing and not so much the het green thing, and um. But I was only working necessarily. I don't have granite or anything. I had some labyrinth, but never uh, came through with that. But um, it, it at one time in the ball pythons, when pides first came out, uh, we're talking about ball pythons now. So there is a leopard in ball pythons. Mm-hmm. They thought mm-hmm. all leopards were het pied, and they thought it was associated. But it's just when the first came in a pied was bred to a leopard. So it was carrying the hat. And so before you get it dispersed to everybody, yeah, every leopard is hat until people start out crossing that leopard or that gene. And then you find out it's not associated with it. So at one point I had thought, well, maybe it's just, we think it's associated with green because it just is very visual and representative in that green. Um, so then go to this. So the last clutch, uh, again, so she's, she's weird. She has a late cycle. I got her from a guy. She laid in October, and then he sold her. Um, and so I usually pair her like uh, July, August, September. Might go to October. Had bred her for a couple years, nothing. Um, and then so paired her, and then they passed the law in uh, December 22. So I didn't pair her this year. Um, mm-hmm. Berm berm life is over. It is what it is. And then she stops eating. That's, and that's I'm like that's I'm like okay, that's weird. Man. <laughs> like I, just, that's, I don't uh, I don't like how you casually said that. Berm life's well, over. Like, man, that makes me upset. <laughs> well, especially when these Why he's out, wearing cause... his US Arc shirt, Lucas. Right. right. Yeah. I know that they went to Phil, bat and tried. Help. Uh he actually uh Phil actually met with uh Georgia DNR, him and attorney. Oh, I'm, um, oh, so I'm they sure. actually so they actually did uh everything that they could. But um yeah, so, so she she stopped eating and she'll like when you walk by, she'll pop the glass. Uh <laughs> ready to eat. So that was weird. And then I'm like, you're not eating and you're thick. What's going on here? And I was like, tell me you're not going to play. Right. I've bred you for years and nothing happened. And now when I'm not allowed to, and I can't do anything with these, you're going to give me something. And, uh, so her babies came out and I bred her over the years. I tried a hypo. Uh, so half would have been hypo. Uh, I tried a green. So you would have had some greens in there. Um, and then at one point in the years I had put an albino with her. So all the babies would be all albino. So unless these clutches are split, um, which would be weird to have split clutch and retain sperm. Right, uh, that'd be, be pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, right. But weird stuff happens like that. I wouldn't be surprised, especially with me. But every baby was albino. Uh, and then when they came out, so the first one, I was like, holy cow, this thing's incredibly striped. Like it's a full stripe down its back. And I'd never seen that. And I'm expecting to see the circular leopard stuff, right? Because she, I don't know. Oh, I didn't say that. She was an al- she was a leopard, albino leopard, het granite from the original leopard female that uh started everything for me so that's probably important part of this story do you um, still have but, that female by the way no so no. the original when i got her she was like 15 16 years old oh so she's, and then she okay. ended up she passed like after after the 17 that next year uh she ended up passing wow um yeah so that again going to these projects stuff like that can happen we're like now you got to raise up your baby. So you got to wait two more years to even get somewhere on this. 
Um, but so the uh, albinos that came out were really were the first one was striped. I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's pretty cool. Then the next one came out striped, and I'm like, what is this? Next one came out striped, and um, it was crazy. Uh, oh yeah, that's that. Uh, that's the hypo that light lineage of hypo they look crazy um that's, that's a, like that's the pet berm that i want yeah that'd be a good one to have um <laughs> there's probably one out there somewhere um but anyway so getting to what is leopard and if for everybody's hanging on to the story thank you because i know it's a long one but what i found so the the male that i used was albino het lab well the male that i used i bought in 2015 as a female um that was triple het so now it's a male uh, that we proved two of the heads to not exist, but I, it is het lab because these animals came out with this insane stripe. And yeah. I'm talking, man, it, 70% of it had this, in, and I'm not talking about a little bit of stripe. I'm talking about half the body, full straight, just amazing stripe. And what sucks is we associated or I associated leopard with the het green, the circular reduced pattern, but it looks like what is what that guy had originally said it's the lineage of this animal that allows these hets to really push through to the surface and it makes me wonder if my really light hypos is albino pushing its way through the hypo and really brightening it and really you, expanding that, it that's like a cheat code right there on like pasta right. klutz clutches right oh yeah for that's, sure that's right? a cheat code dude yeah like the mm -hmm. super bright ones being yellow the stripe ones being labyrinth the and circular ones being right. green are you kidding mm -hmm. yeah and it's and i never expected that and it really huh. just it's how you work these projects so that's had so i been cool. able of those babies because albinos are classic and they're beautiful but it they're can amazing. be outside of like two or three they can kind of get hard to move because they kind of look the same so I knew I was in trouble when I had all albinos, but then when they came out, these are like the best albinos I've ever produced in my that, life. That's Some why I wanted ones. one. Yeah, I, was, I, literally, I literally messaged you like, like, I don't know, I'll, I'll a, a week to too right late. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I, was, I, I wanted one so bad because it's, it's one thing to like my favorite phenotypic expression of Burmese python albinos are the ones that retain a lot of the pink. You could see yes. the pink on the eyes. You could see the pink on the blushing on the body. Right. And when I saw these babies, I was like, these babies are freaking pink. I was like, yeah. I need one. And I messaged you there about you them. <laughs> I messaged you about them and you're like, eh, sorry, can't sell them anymore. And I was like, but dude, they're so cheap. I want one. <laughs> and I could like 30 hours ago. Right. Exactly. Crazy. Uh, and, and it's just, what so getting in leopard i i don't know what leopard is but it is <laughs> it can really and and really what fires me up about any animal that i'm working with and, and breeding is really that opportunity to really make something that looks different and really separate your animals from others and not in like a better aspect but in kind of like we talk about shane sunfires like you can look and be like i bet shane produced that yeah right. and oh, that's yeah. almost every time I love being able to like make a normal that pops up and it's just like, it looks different and, and really just creating just new looks. And it really depthens what you can do with the berms. Cause there isn't a ton. Now there's some new, what, well, I guess there's pides and there's some caramel, but I guess there isn't much else here. So there's not a lot you can do with them. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close with Travis uh, with, with TK exotics and he yeah. works with a line of caramels that are pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, 
But you know and what? They're just and, making it better over time. And, and I think that see, the 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 retake industry was so focused on you know world's first with everything, because right. there's there's no shortage of what you can get with retakes, right? Like with with right. Burmese, like you said, for a long time it was limited to four or five, yep. you know, morphs. Um, but with retakes, it's never ending. Um, right. and I think where we need to go, and I think we're finally starting to get there, is taking a one 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 morph or two morph animal and 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 taking it to the next level um right. and and you know shane has done it from the beginning um and there are other people that are, are slowly starting to work into that direction but i think that's you know i understand what you're saying like it's not about like you know the money aspect or or like oh mine's better but at the same time you know, it's cool to be able to make something different, but at the same time, from a business perspective, in at least in the retic world, where it's very oversaturated because they right. can produce clutches of forty, right? Right. You got to separate yourself somehow, and that's the way to do it. It's it's no longer yep. the world's first game. It's about let me make the sexiest motley that that's you've right. ever seen, right? right. Or I mean, let, refine let... this thing down to what excites me about these little right. weird babies in the clutch. Yeah, exactly. Right. The odd things that are there, like what I've found with the retics and what's really gotten me fired up and really focused on those is um, het genetic stripe. What it does to animals, it just really kind of brightens them and brings this color out. So I feel like I, I want het G GS in, in everything because it just right. even just a single motley that's het genetic stripe, like the, the colors on the sides are just glowing. It's just brighter. And so just really what can you do? And that's what I did with the berms. Like, how far can I take this and how nice can I make it look without actually making the visual? How can I use this heterozygous right. to make this better? And, that, and that's, different? What, that's what Chris McVicker's doing now with Citron, which is head titanium. Yes. Citron oh, that, makes, and that works. Yeah. Citron is Full beautiful. Sure. It does, um, yes. but, but no one has taken Citron and has perfected Citron. And that, I guess that's what Chris's mission is. Because it's now. just head titanium. It's yeah, just it's titanium. It it's, yeah. not, it's not, it's not <laughs> it's anything, <laughs> but I've had, uh, uh, cause I did a clutch with, um, with a Citron and, um, I had the Machino Motley and two of them next to each other. And you can tell which one's Citron and I it's, I, it's I, popping I, buddy. I, I guarantee you, if you take a Citron, uh, Sunfire to a regular Sunfire side by side, you'll know the difference very, for easy. sure. That yep. orange is going to mm -hmm. pop. Um, yep. but, but that, it, it kind of goes back to, granite back with anthrax in the retail yeah. game that used to be I an, love it. an amazing thing back in the day but no one focused on it and then right. granite back started disappearing right and then and then sean mcmillan um two seasons ago and then andrew acevedo and rodney who i was consigning the clutch for them they both took anthraxes into superdorf and made these granite back superdorfs that mm. look better than any marble superdorf you've ever seen so yep. it's like the Superdorf brought back the granite back look, and I hope people really want to just like hammer it down and and work with it. Just refine that, yeah. And then right. all that locality retake stuff it really does. Oh, it takes really, it to the next really, level. It makes it look different. Then you can just work with that. And so that's what the berms are kind of lacking too, is you don't have the the little locality nuances aspects, of yeah. a locality, right? But there's still so much you can do with it. And you know who's who's to say that like this this leopard that came about in the nineties at Daytona show wasn't some type of locality. 
that right. just kind of right. died off, you know, yeah. who, who knows? Right. It, it might not be locality differences, like as far as like Sula all the way to like the Maluku islands. Right. But, but, but there are microclimates and micro ecosystems within a given place that can change the phenotypic expression of an animal. Like corn snakes look different, like Okiti and is just a hunt club. Right. And, and then they look totally different from like 400 miles away in Georgia. Yeah, right? it, it doesn't. So it doesn't take happen. that much distance. Or yeah, same thing That's with aerocs, right? Different. You have Sri right. Lankans, and then you have your typical aerocs, and the the I mean the right. blushing on the Sri Lankans look crazy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, That's right. So I'm gonna let Nathan kind of lead this one uh, to dive into husbandry aspects of Burmese pythons, and then I want to kind of wrap us up towards the end about kind of the comparison on your your take on differences. I mean, we we talk about retics on this podcast constantly, so I guess contrasting the the husbandry of a reticulated python could be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, well, it could be. However, I keep them the exact same. So okay. uh, yeah, I keep that, my balls. That's easy. Yeah, right? So I keep my ball pythons, uh, berms, and retics all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, so I had berms first uh, as I started getting the retics. The retics will hang on the cooler side a little more than the berms. The berms like to be a little warmer, but I keep, you know, it's a six foot cage. So the gradient's there, but uh, yeah. So, you know, I keep it uh, like that 86, 87, 88 on the hot spot. And then the cool side will be in that high seventies. So I do notice that the retics hang on the cooler side more often. um, And the berms like to to hug the heat, but they still move around. But yeah, I keep them the same, um, feed them the same. Uh, you know, I've recently switched to cocoa, um, over the paper and and they, they do all do really well in that. So, um, I wish I had like some cool differences there, but it's, I keep them the exact same and they, they breed the exact same and everything. I I asked you, um, this via message, uh, but I I figured we'd bring it out there. I had the question of, you know, cause I, I inquired about that animal and then I asked your thoughts on, you know, I keep my retakes and my, my chondros, um, you know, Indonesian species that I keep in my garage, I keep them, you know, anywhere between 79 and 84 degrees ambient, right? And the daytime mm-hmm. highs and lows, and it's kind of replicating that aspect. Would yeah. would a Burmese python be okay with that, that like 82 to 83 average ambient without a hot spot? So I, I would think so. Um, you know, if you think about Florida, I mean, it obviously gets hotter, but that that low low 80s mid 80s is, is pretty consistent um i i ne- i've always had the warmer spot so i can't speak a ton on that but um i, I would say that wouldn't be an issue um, and ju- just to keep maybe not necessarily to to breed but yeah i was wondering right. about that's that. that's what like, i was gonna say um right. you know like sometimes these animals will do really well uh in that high 80s but they're not gonna breed they'll thrive they'll be healthy they'll grow but you need that cool to breed and so this is my basement and um it does the same thing so that i don't adjust the thermostats but in the summer it'll be high 70s in here and then as it gets to the winter you'll have this like real gradual cool off to like 70 sometimes 68 in the room um and that's what really triggers the cycle um so they they like that uh that swing and if you think about like obviously they're they're breeding and stuff in florida i mean it it can get 50s 60s there Pretty I mean, normal. They, 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 yeah, exactly. They also have weeks mm-hmm. that get into the low forties, and right, you know, it's sometimes. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't happen every single year, but they'll have a week or two where it's in the upper thirties. Right, and then they that makes them produce very well. Right. So you need that cool, um, 
And I think that temperature that, you know, you're kind of saying is, is probably ideal. I mean, I breed my, my retakes like amazing. They, they breed amazing here in my ambient temperatures. Uh, average year round is 82, 83, but like right now we're going through the beginning of the cold year and there are, you know, nights where, you know, I'll put the heater on like a very low setting and I'll let the ambient get down to like 76 Really, and then, and then I let it climb back up, and that's without a hot spot, and that's what typically triggers them to to cycle. I have a uh, a buddy in Georgia, who he has uh, a building out back, and that's in the fall. He just opens the windows and lets that lets there, it cool, lets that temp drop, get in there, and uh, that, that really gets them going. Yeah, temp temp cycling is definitely, I think, my preferred. I've done both temp and feeding. Um, but I've noticed this year I've had some females want to cycle like the moment we had rain in a, in a like temperature decrease. Um, yeah. Interesting. And I feel like with retics at least, uh, probably, I mean, no, 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 no. Berms too. I mean, the obesity thing is a, is a real thing, right? Yes. Um, so anytime mm-hmm. we can try to not food cycle, I think is right. You know, advantageous for their life. Yeah, other, I definitely other, do. <clears throat> sorry. Other Utah breeders, uh, told me, you know, breed when the, the snow starts. Like, right, same thing. Yeah. It's probably pretty early in Utah. Well, <laughs> right. right. now, no, right. it's just May, starting June. right now. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, really? Yeah. I guess because it's drier. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, fair. yeah. So I definitely, um, there's definitely, uh, I have had my animals, berms, and retics cycle when. So I do kind of pick up feeding in the summer, but not to like a egregious manner. More just to make sure they are ready to roll. Not. Uh, not necessarily a feeding type uh, cycling, but that's interesting you said that because I've uh, I didn't know people actually did a feeding cycle, but I did notice like if you keep them, uh, you kind of ramp it up and then drop it off. They do actually uh, that does actually help. Yeah, I mean with retakes, I've done something that's worked for me the last few years that uh, Garrett Hartle kind of told me about. But you you give them like a two month drought where you feed them like a smaller meal um, once a month for two months. Um, Mm -hmm. and so they're savages around that time. And then after that, you pound them with bigger, heavy meals once a week. And, you know, typically within a month, they'll, they'll shut down and, and, you know, slow down dramatically and start to start to, you know, that that's when you, once you notice that they're no longer like you can open up the enclosure and they're not looking at you for food. That's typically when you can start introductions. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause that's what, when, so the berms and breeding, you know, so like, let me go, let me contrast that. Uh, the retics, uh, I just ended up getting some, like some were given and it was just kind of a weird scenario on how I got them. But yeah, they just decide not to eat one day and they're, they're crazy feeding response. And I was like, what is that? And then somebody told me, oh, that's, she's cycling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the retics tell you like, you could put a male in there and if they're not cycling, nothing's happening but if they turn down food and you put one in there they're locking up and it's going yep. down you see you yep, see the absolutely. arching you see the stupid yeah it's crazy <laughs> and that's really nice because it's such a clear indicator with the berms they they continue to eat until they're gravid oh, um wow. yeah so you're just pairing hoping something happens and if yeah. they never if they never turn down food then they just didn't cycle that year so you never really know you just got to kind of learn their cycle and make sure you're going around that time and so going back to that girl that laid this year, like I had no idea. And so I had paired her the year before, but she just kept eating. So now, we, we talk weird. about male, male retics getting a little bit antsy during the breeding season. Do male berms do the a kind little, of the same thing? 
Yes, opposite. very antsy. Oh, opposite. Oh, I like that description. Yeah. So, um, ber- berms are, are chill anyway. They're they're pretty laid back. But yeah. I did have so that the really light hypo that I really started working with. The original one was, I mean, he was he was he was mean. Um, he he'd bite and he hated you. Um, but in breeding season. He was more than happy and just pleasant as could be to get him out and move him because it's like he knew what was going down. So it's crazy. So like he definitely became calm and tolerable when when you started pairing. So in that breeding season when they started cycling, he was cool. As soon as they're done cycling, he's he he's striking, he's musking, he's <laughs> pooping on you. It's it was pretty crazy. So it's actually the opposite with the That's uh, so with funny. the birds. I, I, yeah. I wish we had that luxury because my right? mine's kind of weird all year round and especially <laughs> around this time of year. A no, sketchy, I, yeah. I have a wild caught calatoa in my garage and I took him out today to clean and I had my helper there and someone else was over and uh it took me seven minutes to get him back in his enclosure because he's he's sliding along the tub he's arching oh on my me. Gosh. when yeah. i put when i when i when i put him in the cage he's spurring the bottom enclosures with his tail like when he's hanging down spurring the bottom enclosures and he would go limp so i couldn't really put him in and then he would come back out like he was so weird um, That's crazy. He he Pretty really awesome. wanted to breed, and I'm I'm lucky <laughs> for being a wild caught. I'm lucky that I never once thought he was gonna bite. Um, he was just acting weird as hell, um, mm-hmm. arching and bumping his body up against mine, spurring my arm again. Like <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Um, Pretty cool. Yeah, but so let me ask you this: as far as husbandry goes, um, temperatures you said fairly the same. Um, I'm assuming they're a large constrictor feeding wise. Do you notice metabolism differences between the two? No. Do you feed any less or more with one or the you, other? No. So pretty much the same. Uh, and let me take that back. I said pretty much same, the same. Uh, so don't notice much difference there at all. What's their hot spot? Eighty. You said eighty six to eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I keep the warm. Um, okay, so yeah. generally I see them like when I temp gun the snake, they're usually at 84. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm thinking, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see husbandry wise. I'm trying to think if there's, I mean, that's kind of really anticlimactic. Here, and that's so. why it's, e- yeah, that's why it's <laughs> yeah, easy for I, you I, to I transition. I didn't to expect get much <laughs> right? in terms of husbandry <laughs> differences. I've always been told kind of, yeah, just keep them the same as I mean, you would keep a ball there, python. There's some pretty different like they're from pretty different places of the world though right that in terms of a ball python yes (laughs) well yeah but but like mm, okay so i guess for you like is it is it okay for me to ask you if you prefer one over the other oh yeah by all means go for it (laughs) oh that was that was it all right we're gonna have a Um, (laughs) build-up what what a question so they eat (laughs) They uh they each have their own value in their own special way, and so yeah. it's it actually not trying to be diplomatic <clears throat> is is hard to rank one over the other. Um, I I, I love the retics and really enjoy them and the variety they bring. Um, I do like that you can almost like play with the retic because they move a lot. Yeah. Um, but I also like that the. You. Right. But, uh, the berms, I do like that. They just kind of hang out. So, um, there isn't, there isn't an edge. Um, I, if I Matt Bowers have to pick one, it is the berms just 
more so for my story and how I came about and what got me into doing this and what made Peach State Pythons was the berms. Um, but so I got my first retick. My brother had two, and then he moved to Florida, and so he gave me his. And uh, I was a male and a female, and the male had gotten up to to size where he could breed. And I was like, all right, well, if you're going to be here, you got to pay rent. So I got like a, <laughs> um, a, a just a golden child head albino um that i rounded up for fairly cheap just to make some kind of simple combos because that's what i really like in the retics and then somehow somebody's like hey you know i got this other one do you want it and i was like uh, okay and then um a guy that was in in uh he had a, a really good really good collection john demiglio he had gotten oh, out yeah. uh, you know him okay yeah. so he lived he lived 45 minutes and, and kind of built a relationship with him and he 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 only got, he was like a stop. He only got the best of the best from the best. And when he needed some space, he'd be like, Hey, you know, do you want this, you know, Mochino Motley that uh, Sal daddy produced? And I was like, uh, how much? He'd be like, well, just come get it, man. And so like, I, I ended up I, I getting that. that. Right. And then, you know, the next thing, you know, like he, he'd send me, I'd see him in my inbox. I'm like, damn it. This dude's going to have me take another snake. You know, I'm running out of room, but you can't say no because it's such good deals. And then you just start um, not opening his messages. Right. Like I'm out of cage then, space, dude. And then one time, he, so he sent me a message and it said, all I could see was, hey, uh, you know, I'm thinking about getting out. Uh, I have a really good, um, I don't know, proposition for you or something like that. And I was like, gosh, dang it. You're about to make me take your whole collection. And so I didn't open it for a minute. I opened it up and sure enough, he got out and I acquired all his snakes, all his animals. And so that's kind of how I got into retics. So I absolutely love them and I, I have a ton of fun with them and, and I like to see where, where it can go and I do enjoy them. And so it's hard to rank, but if I have to pick P8 pythons is built on the berms and then the whole like story that I walked everybody through on what is leopard and it ended up being like a biography of me. Um, right. Is that's, that's why, because just that passion, that vision of what the leopard was and how it came about and what I fought through to get to have it in my hand. I like the berms, yeah. but not for any reason for anybody deciding between the two should go off of. Oh, for sure. They're great, you know? So it's tough question, but um, just I, for our I, you know, discussion's I, I, sake. It's understandable. It's what, what right? impacts you the most. You know, and, and I really, I really wish there were more people um and you know maybe there are but we just don't don't see them on facebook often or, or engage in social media but but like it takes a special type of breeder to have that stick to that that you did with the leopard project and thank you I, I think that you know um sadly i think what COVID did was it brought a lot of new potential breeders in that saw a lot of money signs um because they saw that prices went up and people were buying a bunch of animals and you know i want to buy this i want to buy that and i'll bring them together and if they have 30 babies at two thousand a pop i'll make you know sixty thousand right. dollars and right um you know it's like and that it, it is i mean even you know in my mind i crunch some numbers like that sometimes because you know we're, we're i'm also trying to like you know get bigger enclosures and i'm trying to plan out my right. expenses for the year right? right um but People like you that have been doing this for a while and you see something, you go after it and you don't stop until the government is like, you have to stop. <laughs> right. um, I can appreciate that. Um, Thank you. There, there's not a lot of people that are, are uh, I mean, how many people do you know that are like, yeah, I'm going to go after this double recessive project and they're only on like year six and they sell the project. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. And that, that's not even like 
trying to isolate a different look takes more than six years. Yeah. Right? Well, yes, um, it does. There, there's no time frame. Like when you're working with a double recessive or triple recessive project, you can kind of map it and plan it out. That's right. You didn't have a map. You were just like, no idea. I'm every single clutch. You're like, okay, here's what I'm looking at. What's different. What's new. Here's yep. the um, shift. Yeah. Here's the uh-huh. shift. There's not a lot of people that, that even get the opportunity to do that, let alone would follow through with it. Appreciate so that. yeah, that's awesome. Noticing that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go off of the, like, I'm going to get away from the sentimental comments. Um, yeah. do, you have to, therapy. Do, do, do you have to tap train your, your, did you say I need more therapy? <laughs> give, me, give me some more of those therapies. Um, do, do you have to tap train? Like, do you, do you reach in and grab your berms? How do you handle No. Them? Yeah. So, yeah. So they are, uh, probably not on the level of the retic. Uh, but yeah, always with a hook. Uh, I used to do, uh, the paper towel until <laughs> I got lost a paper towel roll or two. Um, <laughs> yeah, they ate it. Um, so oh the hook, gosh. yeah, it's that out. It comes out on the I, other end. I've, I've heard of that. I've seen towels being consumed by birds. Oh man. It's, Damn. uh, yeah. Which doesn't make sense. Like why would you like the, just use the hook? So yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, they, they, uh, they know when there's, there's food around. Um, especially like if I key, I have a freezer out in the garage. And so if I, I will thaw them out in the garage, uh, in the summer and they can smell it in here. And so definitely then, but any other time, cause it's nothing's going to happen with a hook. You're not going to be like, dang, I, you know, I wasted time grabbing this hook. Right. But if right. you don't use the hook and you get bit it, you know, it can, it's so just always use a hook no matter what always. But yeah, yeah definitely need yeah. that. They do have a, they do have a feeding response, but not like, uh, uh, probably not on the level of a retic, but but some do. Like I said, the girl who uh, who laid this, you're like, she'll pop the glass when you walk by. So definitely want <laughs> to watch her. Uh, one thing I want to make sure we hit on is, uh, you know, it seems that berms really get our eyes more than you see in other snakes. Uh, or at least in retakes. I'll say that. Yeah, uh, yeah I would agree with that. And uh, um, how have you dealt with it? Uh, do you feel like there's a husbandry mistake that people are making to cause it? What What do you think? So, wait. So when I first got into it, I listened to a podcast of this guy who'd been doing it a while. He doesn't do it anymore. Um, and and they asked him this question, and I can't remember who 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 the podcast was, but they said, "Tell us about the burn disease." And mm-hmm. I was like, "The what?" And he's like, it, it almost know, seems and, like that. Yeah. And so I guess they are prone to getting a respiratory ish thing. Um, and so it was interesting to hear that. And that's when I was first kind of getting the burns. And I was like, what is that? And um, the guy, I can't remember like what he had said, um, but he had, he had felt, and he's actually a biologist in Texas um, at Texas A&M, I believe. And he had said uh, he feels that they don't move around so like retics are always like doing something right it seems like berms are just hanging out right berms will just kind of sit there and which is kind of why they're cool because they're kind of laid back but he was alleging or feeling that some of that comes from them not moving and getting air so it's there's this o- air in like this pneumonia lung. yeah like they, it gets stagnant back there um okay so i they they do get it but they don't get a respiratory like if you have uh, retics don't get that ever. I don't think because I they're freaking tanks. I had a retic get out. It takes um, a lot. It takes a lot. I, I had one get out uh, day after Thanksgiving, and it 
I, I didn't find it till the day after Christmas and it was in the, in the ceiling. And I was like, this thing's going to be sick. This thing's oh, going to, and was, it, it was fine. It was your video I saw on the internet circulating <laughs> around. <laughs> um, oh, the two massive ones. That yeah, fell through yeah, the that's ceiling. what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> I didn't see that. But uh, anyway, I was like, this thing's going to be sick. This thing was fine. Uh, but berms are, they're prone to that. But like, if you've ever had, so the ball pythons will get it sometimes. And it's like, they're miserable. They can't breathe. They can't yeah. move. They don't eat. Retic or the berms, whatever they get, it, it's, it's, there's some, uh like a loogie type thing but they're fine they act normal they eat they poop they shed they're fine but they just get this thing and so uh having discussion with other berm people who have had that experience is it i've heard of it uh not being humid enough so they're producing this mucus and so then they overproduce it um nerd Low did temps. a video uh well so that's that's the obvious thing but i wouldn't say that's it because i've experienced it and the temps are fine Okay. Um, but nerd did a video uh, a couple years ago, and I think they were comparing retics and berms and he brought out a granite berm. Kevin did. And, and it had that. And he had mentioned it. He's like, yeah, they get this loogie thing. Um, they're fine, but they get it. And so that's kind of what it is. Like they're fine, but it's, it's not pleasant sounding. Um, so I don't think it's temps. We felt like, you know, not humid enough. So they're producing that mucus. It could be that air circulation. It could be circulation in the room. Um, it's not like, uh, your snake's going to die at seven foot type thing. Uh, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens more than, I, I don't know if I've had a retake really get sick. Um, but the berms will, but then they, they get over it. So I don't know. So it's, it's tough, but there is something. And then the other part of that is like, okay, DNR, these berms get this thing that causes this loogie. Are you onto something? Is that the lung parasite they're talking about? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so if that's what you had heard, I mean, that is something that happens, but it's not in our eye. It's weird. Okay. Because our yeah, eyes like make them sick, but they're not sick. That That's a, weird. that's a good point for me. I I had no, no idea. I no, always I, thought I, it was our eye. Yeah. I didn't know that either. I think that, um, yeah, my, my concern with the whole ambient thing was just like, if it got too low in temps, would that create an RI and those kind of things? But um I mean, again, it seems like they're doing okay in Florida, and it, during the winter, it gets right. You know, is that what it is? Right? You know, is it, it it the constant temperature that maybe they need it to change? But that's where I go back to like potentially the humidity thing because they sit in the swamps, yeah, and yeah. Florida's super humid, yeah, and nonstop, it, and it may happen in winter. So we're thinking temps, but the air dries out in winter. So, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a lot it, of theories out there. It, it's interesting the the mucus thing that you brought up. I have a buddy here in Utah that rescued a berm from a, a house fire, and he had to do all sorts of stuff to make sure this snake survived. But one of the things was at one point, whether it be uh, the smoke inhalation or whatever this snake went through, um, he had to suck mucus out of the cloaca to help it breathe. Hold up. Hold up. Someone sucked out of a snake's cloaca. Yep, this is Richard Bilbo. Damn, Richard. He man, that guy the was my end? hero in the first place. And like now... with a with a pen or something. I can't remember what he said he used, but it didn't sound pleasant. Wow. Out of the cloaca? <laughs> I, I don't or, or not out of the cloaca. What am I saying? nostril or no oh, oh, no, oh you're no. talking about the the glottis no, i am just uh, speaking too fast okay. and okay 
Because that's talking... I got. I got to find oh my out God. how he did that. That would be that's hilarious. I was gonna say that dude's you gotta a suck. Too. You gotta suck real hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, the mucus thing. It comes out. Yeah, of no. Had this. Had to open the snake's mouth out. Uh, suck mus- mucus out yes. to enable this this snake to breathe. After all of that, it went through. That's right. great. <laughs> I can imagine extending the snake. And just... Oh my god, uh, that's funny. That's one, yeah, just get it right out the back end. But uh, so that would be consistent with what you see. Palpable. It's like this mucus, um, okay. but it's not that overall sickness. It's weird. Yeah, okay. Permalugi. Um, man, I'm. You kind of. I'm trying to think of other husbandry aspects, but you're you're grabbing them with a the hook. Temperatures are around the same that you'd keep a retic, which, you know, I feel like 95% of snake species out there, you can, you know, keep with a hot spot of 86 to 88 and the, right. and the ambient to mid to upper seventies and you're, you're golden. Um, yep. any other things that, that, um, you think are drastically different, at least from retics that you want to share or, or I guess like if someone is going to want to keep a berm for the first time, those kind of tips and, you know, things that you want to share so uh so not a lot of drastic differences so it's it's a it's a real good you know if you have retics and you just want something different you can plug a berm in and be just fine um first time owners um they're pretty easy to keep i mean i would keep in mind the the um potential for the whatever that loogie thing is but it doesn't happen a lot but it can happen but as far as like keeping they're they're easy um, they don't have to be huge. Uh, that uh, hypo leopard that you showed that has laid two very healthy clutches for me, she's maybe seven foot and maybe like this big around. That's like insane. just a nice manageable snake. Um, so I don't have any of those giants. I have a 2017 um, male that he's five foot. And um, <laughs> that, so I don't get, I don't and have it, to be huge. It, it's not a prog shy? It's not, it's not, it's not, <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, like, hang on a second. Hang on one second. I'll grab you one. I'll show you. Uh, just talking about size. Yeah, I will. I will say that, um, you know, uh, Phil has a decent age Burmese Python at his place and it, they're not, they're not, I feel like it's almost the same as mainland retakes right now. Like unless you intentionally are pushing and trying to get them big, they can be manageable. That's right. This is a yeah, uh, grow slow with you. It almost this is a like shut two, up. 2020 female. Shut up. Yep. And so you know she's still she's still got nice thickness to her. How, but not how, how often do you feed? Once a week. Stop. Yep. So just uh like a large rat once a week. Yeah, retake a mainland retakes much bigger than that in so, three years. Yeah, they don't have oh, to be yeah. huge. You know, and you think like I I wouldn't, uh, but you know. Age-wise, technically be breeding. I'd let her get a little bigger, but yeah. So just an idea of what you're looking at. I know uh, there are like uh, conceptually people thinking that they get huge, but you know this is I mean, pretty they're manageable. Def- they're man. definitely heavier body than retakes, but yeah. But How tall is... are you for reference? Uh, so I am five eleven. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm the same height, so that's that's pretty good for me. Same. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And this is, uh, so it'd be like, so this is three and a half years old because it'd be summer of, yeah, I mean, uh, for 20? In, 
in mainland terms, I mean, that's year, year and a half for most. Right. Male yep. or what, what, what were the, was, was that an uh, albino green? That's That was an albino green. Yes, sir. Look at me. I'm, I'm... Yeah, nailed it. And I <laughs> used the hook. There you go. Good job. Vet, was that a, was that Using a life hook? Uh, I don't, no, I don't, this is uh, probably, I don't know what this one is. Generic. Generic. <laughs> Generic reptile basics, maybe. That's that, that's that Amazon.com hook. Yes. <laughs> Very effective. Uh, so that might be something to keep in mind. I mean, we had talked previously a little bit about getting hatchlings started. Yeah, you, I, uh, I was going to bring that surface back up. Un, yeah. Yeah, unpack that. Um, they're not, they're not tough. So retics Real quick, blew for my ev- mind. For everyone listening we we're having a conversation before and uh matt had the audacity to say that it's easier to get a uh, a burmese hatchling started eating than it is a retic and if you know retics you know that they will eat your finger if you let them um so i, I kind of i, I want to hear this and yeah unless so my first retic clutch so i had done ball pythons and berms and then i had a retic clutch and they went months and I had to message somebody be like, hey, what's going on with these things? Do they eventually eat? What do I need to do? I mean, I've had them go like four months, three ticks without eating. And then just one day they just decide. And then, I mean, I'm talking, it's it gets sketchy. Um, and then, you, you know, you do a little bit of assist feeding just to make sure they get some nutrients. But the berms are, are pretty easy. I'll tell you this, the easiest snake to get started that I've ever worked with, well, bull snakes. I've had a, I had a bull snake like hatch and I, and it ate two hours later, Whoa, but, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, the second easiest is ball pythons. They eat so easy. Um, which I wouldn't think cause they can be kind of picky. You're going to lose all credibility here soon, man. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you see a little something smaller. Um, but, uh, the, the berms, they, they can be pretty easy, but um, you can always go to chicks. They'll eat chicks like whenever you need them to, which is generally what I start on anyway because they're cheap and they're a little bit bigger and meatier. So, so you can kind of get them to stay. Yeah, they're so I, I, cheap. I got like 300 chicks in my freezer right now. <laughs> really? There you <laughs> yes. go. Um, so you, you get this cheap, you, you get a little more meal in them so they get established quicker. But um, there's a, uh, for some reason, some people don't like when they're on chicks. So I try not to um i don't know i think it's just like it's been passed around that it's not good but i love using chicks and i use chickens with the with the berms and with the retics uh it's it's nice the poop's real easy to clean so i i'm a huge fan of the poultry but um anyways the berms uh yeah so they're not super hard to get started they can take a little bit and then just pull out a chick and they'll usually they'll usually go to town on it but uh the retics are are a pain in the butt man yeah they are like they can be stressful yeah I, I was sharing that, you know, I, you know, all of my F1, F2 clutches of my locality stuff have eaten no problem, but, you know, I've only done one mainland pairing with morphs involved, tiger and ocelot, and um, half the clutch took three months to, to eat. Um, and I was getting, I, I swear I saw gray hair in my beard. I was like, well, what that's the normal. happening? Um, so, and I know Nathan has had a nightmare year with his clutch. Yeah, I mean. Eat. I mean, it was about half the clutch didn't want to eat for the first few months, regardless Mm -hmm. of what you offered, how you offered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was a nightmare. Uh, Luckily, most of that has passed. So, yeah, that's that's consistent with all my retic clutches. I will will say my my retic clutch, the mainland clutch, uh, I was like just getting frustrated and uh, 
just decided to slap the retic with the chick that I had dangling in front of it. And that got it to eat. Like I slapped it and then offered it again and <laughs> ate it. And, I, uh, I had one or two that was like that too. Yeah. So that's actually like a trick it. I learned in the berms is you take that chick and you like push them with it, kind of shake it. And they're like trying to get away and then just something triggers them and they wrap it up. But yeah, that's like, you got to like agitate them and they're like scared. Don't know whether to bite, See, be they, afraid. They, I guess they agitated me. So I agitated them back <laughs> and they go. took it. <laughs> like I literally I, had it like that, this. That had to have was... been how that technique was developed. <laughs> right. There's right. no other explanation. No, I, I'm literally... only doing this because I love you. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was literally bouncing it back and forth. I would hit the face. It did nothing. And then I literally was just like whack. And it turned around <laughs> and bit it. And I was like, all right, well you're pissed. So you took it. Pissed it like... off. Right. <laughs> um matt can you um i i first and foremost thank you so much for for coming on um i I, we kind of at the end if you have any last things that you want to say if not if you want to kind of tail in where can people find you online um and follow you and then um also if you want to leave off i know that you can't you know you're done with kind of the berm so what's what's next for matt uh yeah that's a good question there um beta fish so yeah so this this beta thing's really got me intrigued um so really just learning about those no uh so i don't know so i that's that's the beauty of it right is i don't know what's next and what's next well i'll kind of find along the way Uh, i do have some you know other species i have some king snakes and bull snakes um i have some locality boas that i'm growing up um but I think kind of the the beauty in it, if I can, is I don't know what's next, cool. and I'll be led in that direction. And like I said, like you, you got to always try to welcome these changes. Uh, be frustrated because you worked hard, and you're, it's, it's okay to feel that way. But being led to something that you never would have found had you been stuck on this berm leopard thing. Um, so I'm optimistic that that's going to happen at some point. And if it just so happens to be this really incredible beta set up here you know that's that's where i'm led that's the where i'll go but um i i can't wait to see it and man that's one hell of an attitude you have given the circumstances <laughs> thank, you. thank you and yeah sometimes you just I'm, don't have much I'm of a choice i'm sure it's been stages yeah uh you know what and it's like yeah hey, it is what it is and this clutch came out i'm like gosh dang it this is so stupid <laughs> um but uh yeah it is what it is but yeah um yeah uh and then to find me, uh, Instagram's probably the easiest way. Peach State Pythons, Instagram. Um, that's where I can be most responsive. Um, and sometimes I'm not too active on the Facebook, but you can probably round me up there. But yeah, Peach State Pythons on Instagram is probably the easiest way. Uh, if you did have any questions or want to talk further, just want to see all the cool stuff we're talking about. That's probably the easiest way. Um, and then as far as like, just overall, uh, you know, I think we covered a lot of it. I know we spent a lot of time on this, um, that one kind of like direction I was going and what is that leopard, but there's I'm just happy we did. Yeah. Well, good, good. Uh, it felt good to get that out there. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of like really cool more. So there's a lot of really cool things happening right now as people are working with the pied stuff that's here. Um, and just, I think that'll open up a lot of things. So anybody who is looking um i know i spoke on there only being like four or five more well there's you know with the pides you know as we saw with the retics learning what each additional gene does with the pied it's really neat to see and i think we'll get a lot of that in the berm so it's a really kind of exciting time to keep that going 
Um, and there's a lot of people like labyrinths becoming more, mm -hmm. uh, prominent, which is just like, it varies so much. That's going to be really cool. Something to watch. So if anybody is watching this interested in berms, it, there's a lot that's going to be happening, uh, in the future as people are getting new bloodlines and, and just working and crisscrossing things. It's going to be really cool to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe some of my stuff's out there floating. I know there, there was a breeder who got a pair for me out of this and I made sure to pick him like handpick him what I would keep so that he can kind of keep this going and, and do awesome. something with it. Yeah. So there's gonna be some people out there, hopefully, you know, carrying on what, what I kind of got going and buy into to my concepts, but I, yeah, I, I think hope, we covered I hope a lot that they're of it. open and willing to kind of have you coach and they, they consult with you. Cause I would hate for this right. to completely stop right. where you're at. And so I'm really hoping that, that those people are, are willing to continue. Well, what's really unfortunate is there's another guy who breeds berms who kind of goes along the same lines as what I'm doing. And it's Black Diamond Herps, Aaron Mathis, yeah. like my best friend. Um, he was really pushing this labyrinth and he pushes this like pinstripe. It's tri-stripe looking. It's crazy what he was doing, but uh, he was in Georgia. So uh, he's in the same boat. So like he was somebody who kind of shared that vision of like, we need to make our stuff look different and really – you could see uh, if you see a hypo lab with that that triple stripe, you can look at it and be like, oh, that's Aaron's, and it yeah. it, it is. Um, but there's some people who are who really you know have that vision and, and are going to keep it going. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, Matt, man, thank you so much for coming on on the short notice. On top of that, it was a pleasure sure. having you on. And uh, it's awesome. Yeah. When, once you start getting back, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be following the retic stuff you do, and I'd love to have you on as a guest in the future to talk retic. So yeah, it'd be cool. I'd like that. It was a lot of fun, guys, and I, I definitely appreciate you thinking of me and uh, opening that invitation. It was real easy to accept and get excited about it. Even hey, staying up two you. hours past my bedtime to hang out with you guys. <laughs> I, yeah, we appreciate that. <laughs> Glad to do it. Yeah, I know. I know you have the gym and cleaning in the morning, so uh, we'll right. let you get we'll let you get to it. Appreciate that. Take it easy, man. All right, guys. Thank you. See you. All right. See you guys. There we have it. Burmese Python species spotlight. Um, yep. And on top of that, we got to get some backseat access into something new that he was working with. And I'm not going to lie, man, in the back of my mind, he's handling that Georgia shit way better than, than I would if, if anything ever happened with legislation. But um, it, it's, it's cool to see um, at least publicly he's handling it very humbly inspiring stuff from the breedings to the pictures to yeah just the overall attitude about how he keeps in uh his collection and how he's keeping calm during this uh storm that they're dealing with down in georgia yeah. so yeah fun episode uh another another long one which i always love i, I love when our guests get to just sit here use when they're as, amped right yeah yeah you this is your platform for species right. spotlight so yeah that, that's what i love it's great. Um, no, it was a fun one. So uh, you guys, we'll see you if you're on our Patreon. This is dropping probably Tuesday, Wednesday. And then we'll see you guys next Friday for our Patreon meeting. And then, Lucas, uh, we'll see you next Friday for another episode of the Recap Clash. See you guys. <laughs>